I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to another episodes of All Things Policy. I am Pranay and today I have with me Sarthak and today we are discussing a topic that both of us like a lot which is public finance. So we are entering into the dangerous territory of taxes and subsidies and whatnot. But let's begin with a specific issue that happened recently. So the Supreme Court passed a recent judgment in a case called the Union of India versus measures Mohit Minerals Private Limited. And in that, the bench ruled that the GST Council's decisions are not binding on the union government or on the state. So it said that whatever GST Council suggests is only recommendatory in nature. Now that has led to a lot of discussions and opinions in the media. One set of arguments say that this has given more freedom to the state governments. The other argument says that, uh, you know, this might lead to log jams going ahead because since the GST council is no longer uh, a decision of the GST council is not binding, it might lead to cases where some states might chart a territory on their own and go away from this idea of one nation, one tax, which has its own benefits, etc. So that's what we are going to discuss about. Sartak has read about it and I wanted to know more about it. So here we are. So Sartak, let's begin first. What are the benefits of having something like a GST? So at before 2016, right, there were different kinds of taxes on indirect goods. The union, it used to impose certain taxes. The States used to impose different kinds of taxes. Now, just think about it. How all these things would be impacting businesses, right? So, businesses will now have to comply with multiple taxes, right? So, union taxes and then on top of that, different kinds of state taxes. So, there was this cascading effect. On top of that, all the different states, right? They are using their own power to levy taxes. So, which implies that some states might have a higher tax. Some states will have lower tax. Think of it from the perspective of different businesses, right? They have to, again, think of all these things. They need to have people who are managing all these things. The compliance cost will be high. And also movement of goods from one place to another, right? There will be, again, massive transaction cost here. And also it led to other host of things, right? You will have set up headquarters somewhere, some other branches somewhere to ensure that you don't have to pay enough taxes. So this also is part of the compliance cost. So to ensure or to minimize all these things, we are going ahead with what is called as the goods and service taxes. And we are trying to minimize all that compliance cost, the transaction cost. Mm. So the idea is there will be uniform taxation throughout the length and breadth of the country. That is what was the aim of GST. Right. Yeah. So that was one big benefit, right? Where especially movement, interstate movement of goods, uh, there were multiple permissions, permit checkpoints, etc., which have all been eliminated. Yeah. So I guess that is one uh, major benefit. And as you said, the uh, compliance cost, if the GST comes to a structure where taxes are rationalized, the compliance cost will also probably go down compared to what they are. So all right. So that was there. And we had a new federal institution which was imagined part of uh, to administer this GST called the GST Council, right? And the GST Council was unique in the sense that 
it had equal representation from all states, unlike those other bodies which we have where it is based on population, right? And there were also some uh, recommendations on the power between union and states, right? What was that structure like? Yeah, so if you look at the GST council, the composition is such that uh, the states have like 66% of the votes, while the union has 33% of the votes. So it seems as if the states have more power, double the power as compared to the union. But keep in mind that again, the 66% is divided among host of states, mm. multiple states in of states as well as union territories. And to get anything passed, right, you need 75% of the votes, right? So, which indirectly means that states on their own, if all of them are together also, they cannot uh, get things which they support, right? They have to get the support of the union government. Which indirectly implies that union government has a veto. And if the union government wants to get something passed, mm. right? So it needs, it did not need the support of all the states, right? 21 out of uh, the 20 remaining states and union territories is enough to get things passed. So there is some form of power asymmetry in this particular body that was there. All right. So this has been the case. But if you look at the way GST Council has operated, most in most of the cases, you have had consensus. Right. It's not that, I mean, in recent times, we have had different kinds of conflict. Some of the state finance ministers, they have come out in the open and they have mentioned that, okay, things are not happening as expected. But at least in the initial years, things were fine. And most of the decisions have been on the basis of consensus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so interesting. So if all state governments come together and say that in the spirit of uh, vertical redistribution, uh, all the money collected from GST, you know, 80% should go to the state governments and only 20% to the union government, that can't happen because of the structure. Which, okay, I understand why that might be the case. Alright, so this was a uh, experiment, uh, the GST council. And was its were its decisions when it was founded, were they supposed to be binding on the union government or states? Yeah, so this is something which is not uh, explicitly mentioned, right? Whether it should be binding or not. But if you look, if you look at the constitution, right, it is the legislatures, right, who usually have the power to taxation. And again, we can not only India look at uh, history world over, right? So it's the same thing. Legislatures have the power. So, in case of India, it will be the parliament or the state legislative assemblies hmm. who should ideally have the power to tax. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's a social contract, right? Yeah, exactly. With the state, like yeah. some two people can decide what tax will be put, but yeah. it has to be approved by the representatives whom we choose. So, that's the logic yeah. of it. So, that, that is the case, right? But here, what is happening is you, are, you have created a body... Uh, which has, again, which has representation of different state governments and they are deciding it. So somewhere there is this variation. Mm. Right? And this was not explicitly mentioned that, okay, the recommendations of this body should be, uh, man should be binding on uh, different, union, different uh, union governments and the state government. It is not there. Mm. Right? So there, there, there has been this kind of a conflict from the beginning and some state, in fact, on top of this, another issue here is some mm. state finance ministers have also pointed out that maybe it's certain uh, union government ministries or officials, they are the ones who are deciding things. It's not necessarily the members who are uh, going and who have an equal say over there. Again, this is something which is informal maybe. But if you look at the structure, no, it was uh, it was not binding and it has not been explicitly mentioned anywhere. It's just that the Supreme Court made it explicit. Yeah, so it does, in a sense, this case has now clarified things yeah. uh, and made it 
sure that this was the case that of yeah. course legislatures ultimately have the ultimate power to decide taxation and gst councils decisions are ultimately recommendatory in nature and like you said until now most of the decisions have come through consensus so which is fairly good thing to say but over the last few years sarthak there have been lot of uh, you know ill will which has developed between mm. state governments and union governments especially during the uh, pandemic when there was this compensatory cess related issue and uh, union government said that uh, there was also the issue of uh, should we continue that compensatory cess after uh, the initial period etc right so can you lay that out for us that what were some of these main bones of contention in the gst council yeah so the first thing is to get states on board with this because again this requires the states should also come on board right because they are their taxation powers are getting uh, changed now so the states will be losing out their taxation powers so how do you ensure that they come on the table of for negotiation and finally they agree to that right so for that it was decided that the states will be compensated hmm. for the first 5 years right so it was it was estimated that over a period of time the states revenue will also increase because of possibly increase in business activity economic activity business activity increase in uh, revenues through taxes but for the time being right in the short term maybe the states will be at at the receiving end so why will a state agree to this right so the union government had promised or that was the promise here that we will compensate for what worth the loss of revenue and it is expected that year on year there will be 14% increase in revenue we will try to we will try to compensate for that if you are not getting enough revenue so for the first few years this compensation and all these things worked fine but after that things are changing right so uh, the union government especially during the time of the pandemic right it is not having it is again its revenue forecast and other things were not as expected and all these things in led to different kinds of issues right so union government said okay we will not be able to compensate maybe also another way to look at it during the pandemic the state governments right so they also were not able to generate enough revenue because again collapse of business activity economic activity on top of that they had to carry out all these uh, activities to deal with the pandemic so they are now increasing their spending on top of that they are not having enough revenue so all these things have led to massive amount of clashes and if you look at the data uh, so it was assumed that the state uh, gst uh, it will grow at around it grew at around uh, 6% 6.7% for uh, between uh, 2018-2021 and whatever taxes were subsumed before gst right so those taxes they used to grow at a higher rate right so 9.8% between 2014-2017 hmm. so those taxes were the revenue from those taxes were increasing at a faster pace as compared to the revenue that the states are getting from gst so that is again uh, one because effectively the states are becoming poorer right on top of that if you look at uh, the how much sgst has grown for 17 major states it grew below 10% right and for state like uttarakhand it, uh, it it was negative for the financial year 2019 to 2022 right so all these things are leading to issues because you do not have enough money and when you don't have any enough money and you estimate expected that money will be the revenues will be way higher yeah there will be that expectation and uh, the reality there is a mismatch here apart from that there have been other issues pointed out that there have been delays when it comes to payments 
the meetings used to be more frequent in the past. GST council meetings, they have become less frequent. And on top of that, some states, and again, if you look at data, that also point, it also points to the same thing. The amount of money in the divisible pool, right? So that has, again, not increased as expected. Hmm. So the union government will collect different taxes. And from those taxes, a part goes to the union government and a part goes to the state government, right? That is, and the ratio and all these things are decided by the finance commission. Now, so just to clarify, divisible pool is the total taxation collected minus collection costs and minus all the cesses and surcharges that the union government raises, right? That forms the divisible pool. That's the money which will be distributed between union and states and between all the states. Yeah. So, Again, GST collections overall have increased, but the size of the divisible pool has not increased mm. as much. Now, what is the reason? Because union government has again found out different ways to collect uh, different taxes, right? Says the uh, ratio of uh, cesses and all have increased. So, all these money, if it had been part of that divisible pool, the states would have benefited, but they are not getting the benefit here. So, again, this has raised multiple apprehensions and the smaller states are becoming more dependent. Now, again, one of the reasons could be because they don't have enough ways by which they can diversify the sources from that, from where they can get the revenue. So, it makes them even more dependent on the uh, union government now. And again, many of these things have been pointed by the Finance Commission also. 15th Finance Commission report talks about that, that revenues have been volatile and uh, the different forecasts that you had, original forecasts, they are, there is a deviation from those original forecasts. So, all these things have led to issues between the union and the states. Alright, so we'll continue this conversation, but we'll take a short break and get back to the future and how do we resolve this issue. Alright, we are back and we were discussing about the GST Council and the recent Supreme Court judgment around it. So, Sartak, before you go ahead, I just had a few points about this. I think that comparison between tax collections with the growth that you mentioned around 9% earlier and then with GST to 6%, they are across different timelines, right? Because those taxes were there before 2015 when GST came into being and now we are talking about 2016 and our economy is growing much slower now. Hmm. So I think that comparison from a policy analyst view does not make sense because you were talking about the whole issue here is India's economy has slowed down. So any tax that you would have had, the growth of it would have been lesser because the economy is not growing as fast as it was growing, let's say, between 2003 to 2008 and up to 2011. So that, I think, is one point. And the second thing, I don't buy this argument of dependence of states has increased because this tax is now levied by consensus between union and states. You know, I would say dependence is a function of whether the states get the money on time in an assigned uh, manner that it's not arbitrary. And second, they have the freedom to choose what they do with that money, right? So it doesn't matter if that money comes via the union government through the GST, but if the states have the freedom to actually do whatever they have with money, they can choose a lot of things. They have that much autonomy and independence. So in this case, if the GST were to lead to a situation where the states actually get more money Hmm. and that money is untied in the Hmm. sense it comes through the finance commission route, etc. And there is no conditions on where this money is. I would say the freedom of the states would have increased, not decreased. No, so uh, Pranay, what 
the argument here is that since you have states which are smaller now the number of ways by which can they can possibly raise taxes is limited as compared to a state which is larger i mean the kind the geography that that you have and some of the uh, goods or goods have been kept outside the ambit, ambit of gst right for example petroleum products and other things right so maybe a smaller state might be at a disadvantage in this regard so that's what is the argument given here hmm. the larger states might have a greater probability of having these resources which are outside the ambit of gst and yeah since but that again you know it's not as if the smaller states were their entire pool is low because they are small and some of them are on the borders their taxable capacity is low so it's not as if in the pre gst era they were able to raise massive amount of taxes uh, for the same reasons right and i think we have to also keep this in mind that the major element of all this taxation is finally the citizen right so this whole idea of every state having its own taxation and its own uh, you know entry barriers for goods to come in is a massive cost on us citizens yeah, right so yeah. it's not just a debate between union and states and there are many times articles yeah, yeah, exactly. see this as a zero sum contest between union and finally union and state governments are for the citizens and we have to evaluate which situation benefits indian citizens right from that perspective i think it's not that big an issue that there is a consensus and collective mechanism through which taxes are being levied and not through the state's uh, whims right and of course like you said there are other avenues still which are open with the states non tax revenues which you have written about you, there are also agricultural income tax which are which the states are not exploiting even now right so anyway so that was about this whole uh, idea of thinking through it from the lens of dependence or independence but now go going ahead about uh, the gst council itself what do you think will be the impact of this judgment yeah so see this judgment as we just discussed a couple of minutes back it's not stating something which is different right it is stating something which was kind of obvious just that it has now reiterated yeah. that right so it is mentioning that okay the states also are at par with the union see if you look at the extreme or the corner case thing right it might so happen that the states uh, they decide that okay they are not part of it or they will decide their own rates mm. that can be the extreme situation where each individual states now they decide that okay whatever the council is deciding we will not go for that and our legislature will decide that but that might not necessarily happen because again if you look at the history and right, mostly we have had whatever uh, rulings or uh, on the basis of consensus so that is uh, that can be the case also what it is definitely going to do is the states now will be having greater bargaining power or at least they had it but now it is since it is explicit right they will have uh, more bargaining powers and the issue that you might have here is maybe the union wants to push something in that case they have to again buy in the states right so maybe some other consensus somewhere and given that in case of india we don't have lot of these intergovernmental uh, bargaining forums or institutions it might become slightly difficult also maybe we have to uh, or at least this council has to think of ways by which incentives are created so that the states are on board with most of these things if the states are on i mean again how do they do it i'm not sure about it but if there is a way by which the states are incentivized right they see that there is a gain if they are part of the i mean they agree to the same uh, whatever uh, conclusion they have come up with in that case they will be on board so devising those things 
which is mutually advantageous for both the union and the states might be one of the way ahead yeah so i guess one thing is there have been instances of breach of trust uh because of the whole compensation cess issue where the union government said you know because of the pandemic there is a force majeure clause that might apply and you know that hence the compensation which was guaranteed earlier we might go back on it such situations have led to you know uh, states being more circumspect about making certain concessions from their side right yeah. so that breach of trust is a problem which acts uh, which is leading to these situations but i think i guess in 1990s and 2000 like we used to talk about coalition dharma similarly there is a cooperative federalism dharma also right so if you are going to take decisions via consensus there will be a need to balance each other's interests also uh, ensure that the states don't get a feeling that they are you know being taken for a ride or they are losing out massively otherwise what this decision just does is that it has clarified that yes states are at a freedom to not agree to gst councils right so some states at the extreme might actually choose a completely different path which will be a loss to india and yeah. to all citizens and to the people in that state as well so that's where we wouldn't want the situation to go so sardak what will be the solutions that we don't reach that pathway you know what are the broad pathways that you think we should be thinking about it's one of this thing one of the things that uh, we can think of is like it's a long term thing by the way is you need to have i mean one of the reason why you have had these conflicts in the recent times is because you don't have enough money and it leads to disputes between the union and the states but if you are able to have higher revenues in that case i mean and the states are also doing well right states revenue uh, sources uh, or the state way states can leverage their revenues it increases then again these kind of is- disputes issues might be reduced again for that uh, again you have to have reforms when it comes to tax administration uh, all the different kinds of exemptions that are there right maybe we have to make it more efficient reduce the number of exemptions maybe maybe the use of technology and all these things can also be leveraged so over a period of time how do you improve the tax administration and also you have to focus on imp- increasing the tax base not just the not think of tax rates because it goes against uh, increasing tax base so these can be long term things which can possibly help mitigate some of these uh, issues that we see right yeah so finally what you're saying is there is an issue because the size of the pie is smaller and because the size of the pie is smaller every state then compares what the other state is getting and why am i not getting and why is the union government taking it etc which so probably the way these issues will get settled is if the growth is back on track and then the states then can see the benefit on their own where the collections and the money that they are getting from this is much more than they were used to in the past yeah. so that is uh, one sort of a mahatma great solution <laughs> right you need that economic growth can solve a lot of these issues but also i would say in the short and medium term the point that you sh- said about technology that could help right because we clearly know that uh, there are lots of people who should be paying taxes who aren't paying taxes uh, and so if the base can be widened through better use of technology like there was a talk of linkages between the direct tax uh data and the indirect tax data right so uh, central board of direct taxes and central board of indirect taxes so for example if there is a sharing of data between both of these 
then there will be more ways to catch tax evasion right there might hmm. there are lots of <laughs> only 3 4 5% of the people even file income taxes but large number of people pay gst so if you match the data between these two you will be probably able to uh, get more money from the current infrastructure itself and i think both the boards have already started work on that at least uh, a year and a half ago there was a news on more collaboration on that front so i think that technological solution might aid to an extent to increase the tax base sooner yeah and then of course i mean if we want to sustain it then we need economic growth to be back on track any other points you have to add again this is also related to uh, gst how you can leverage gst so one thing is maybe at this point we also need to understand what are some of the pain points right now and for that we need to have more research more development along those lines so i was reading dr rao's recent book and where he talks about how uh, sadak is by the way referring to dr govind rao's recent book studies in indian public finance yeah so he has mentioned how uh, there's not enough research in these area usually all these policies are decided by bureaucrats you don't have independent researchers and one of the challenge you face here is you don't have i mean you don't have publicly available data in fact when the cag was auditing so they also did not have enough data and that's something he has pointed out in the book right so maybe access to this data maybe having more uh, people who are experts in these areas right who decide possibly what should be the tax rates right how many slabs should be there at present by the way there are multiple slabs which people have mentioned experts have mentioned that we have to reduce it uh, also what are things which should be exempting we should be possibly reducing the number of uh, goods and services which are on, under the exempt list so all these things can come if you have enough research right and again for that you need to have more data right so again something like this if there is more transparency there is more data available if you have more experts who are aiding the gst council maybe things will be better All right thanks Sarthak so we got a good understanding of the recent supreme court judgment and a few pathways forward so we'll end this episode here thanks all for listening and if you have any thoughts on the GST council and the recent judgment please write to us thank you thank you pranay if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at @ivmpodcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle @takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.